1: The HustleShare Podcast is brought to you by B21, a platform which helps you start your journey with cryptocurrencies. Visit b21.io hustleshare hustle share and get $2 upon signing up. Also by Ideaspace, a nonprofit supporting innovation and technopreneurship as a path to nation building. Ideaspace runs an annual startup competition. For more information, make sure to sign up for their newsletter at ideaspacefoundation.org connect. Also powered by Podmetrics, the only analytics platform you'll ever need for your podcast. Sign up now at podmetrics.co for free and use the code HUSTLESHARE.
2: It's really hard to do something really, really well and be extremely successful at it if you only put 80% of your time into it. So if you have your time spent and allocated across two, three, four things, it's not very easy.
1: Welcome to Hustleshare, the podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here is your host, Ronster Beityong.
0: Welcome to episode 105 of the Hustle Share Podcast. My name is Ronster, and I'm your host. And this episode is powered by B21, a platform which helps you start your journey with cryptocurrencies. We are a proud affiliate of the podcast network, Asia. But before we begin, we'd like to remind you that this podcast contains not tip for work language. So make sure there are no kids when you're listening to this. Because today we're gonna be talking to a founder that helped SMEs transition into e-commerce very easily. And his name is Dennis Velasco of Prosperna. And today, Dennis is gonna share with us how it was like growing up as a Phil-Am in Texas and how he learned the ventures of entrepreneurship through shadowing his parents in their businesses. And then he will also share how he got his first stint in Silicon Valley and became a corporate entrepreneur that opened his eyes to becoming a startup founder. And Dennis's journey wasn't easy because he will share what he did to make ends meet during the financial crisis of 2008, where he did a side business that he never thought he'd do just to keep him afloat. And then he will also share how he got back to the tech industry and got multiple jobs from companies like Salesforce and how he got to be part of a company that went IPO. And lastly, he will share what pushed him to go back to the Philippines and create Extendly and Prosperna and how they were able to sustain growth despite being bootstrapped for four years already. And tune in till the end because he has great advice for employees considering the jump to entrepreneurship and for people that are going through a rough patch because of the pandemic. So if you're ready to learn the hustle behind Prosperna, let's begin this episode right now. Welcome to the latest episode of the House Share Podcast. We are going to be featuring one of my neighbors from my old office in Chatbot PH back when we were starting out and we were in Alabang. There's not a lot of startups out there in the dirty, dirty south, right? But again, uh, this guy had his office nearby and uh, came by to visit and uh, we had a ball. But again, before I get carried away, just as always, let's welcome Mr. Dennis Velasco of... Prosper now. I I probably fucked that up. I'll get better as we go through. (laughs) through. You did good, buddy. Yep. So, again, welcome to the show,
3: Dennis.
0: (laughs) There you go. That's the pick now
3: coming in. All right. So,
0: welcome to also share, Dennis. We've known each other for a while because we're only one of the few, uh, not podcast startups, that actually had an office in Alabang. You know, I can literally count them and I don't actually know. Us. I are you still in lebang You're still in Elabang, right?
2: Yeah, we're still down here, but, uh, you know, we had a couple moves with the okay. office as of the last six months, but, uh, still down in the dirty South, buddy.
0: Dirty, dirty. There you go. And again, uh, this, 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 this is a very, very interesting, uh, startup you've always had. And again, one thing, uh, that I got to give you props on is longevity. It's not easy to stay in the game for, for, for a long time. And, and. And uh do the shit that you do. But I I, before I get here anyway, I always ask this and I'm gonna ask you the million dollar question. Dennis, what's your hustle?
2: Yeah, yeah. No, love it. Well, first, real quick, thanks for having me on the uh show. It's pretty awesome to reconnect with you and you know just get a chance to chat about business. Yeah. But um, yeah, so Prosperna and our team and our company is really on a huge mission to empower 100,000 SMEs here in the Philippines with simple and uh, affordable e-commerce software to help them market and sell. So that's really what we do day in, day out, 24-7. There you go. So
0: e-commerce is the name of the game. And, you know, it's high time because uh, because of the pandemic, you know, everybody is out of necessity, is <laughs> now forced to to... Sell on e-commerce because there's no other uh, medium or channel to actually uh, sell their goods. But before I get carried away, my man, I need to pick you up in Molito before we eat some yushiken (laughs) real quick, because (laughs) you know uh, I need you to go all the way back because we're gonna ride the hustle share time machine. (gasps) All right, hang up. Just just buckle up. Just listen. Uh, Rock landing. Ah. Oh shit! There you go. Okay, oh, we're not in Molito anymore. Okay, we're all the way back to the to to Texas. So, uh, Dennis, I you told me that you grew up in the states, obviously. Um, but uh, I don't know a lot of Filipinos that actually, or maybe it's just me, because I assume that most Filipinos are in the Bay Area or in California somewhere right
3: how was it <laughs> growing
0: true. up uh in the states and did what's the first inclination towards entrepreneurship uh that you've had because you all, we all know right that there's the american dream that they always say right what was that dream for you and um uh how did you get venture into being an or what are your early inklings of being an entrepreneur
2: yeah yeah no that that's cool and uh, thanks for bringing me back hopefully i'll uh, be able to talk about all the good <laughs> stuff and not any of the skeletons, but okay. Um, no, no yeah, growing up in, in Texas was interestingly. Uh, Which town, by the way? Uh, big D, home of the big
0: Cowboys. Big D, Mavs. You barbecue,
2: Mavs. There you go, big Cadillacs and yep. big trucks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that's where Ducky Fresh. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yep, it's always bigger in Texas, my man. So, okay, you Dallas, Fort Worth area, you know. Um that's how is that how is it growing up in that, that hood? Because that's that's a very mixed hood. There's some uh again, I'm a big NBA fan, and I know there's a, that's also a hotbed for NBA players. And I know that that hood has some really weird sides into it. There's there's shady sides and some pretty good good uh good suburbs and, and whatnot. How is that growing up for you?
2: Yeah, it it's um I you know, just in looking back, it's funny because uh, I went to a pretty big high school. Okay. We'll kind of start there. And I had about 600 people in my graduating class. Wow. And there was only four Asians. What? <laughs> they were uh, two Korean friends of mine. Okay. Uh, one Chinese guy. And I was and one the old Filipino. Uh, Filipino dude. Wow. Right? wow. They all thought that we all looked the same. <laughs> are you kidding me i won't say what they called us yep, because yep. You know, we already know. i was like hey guys get your geography right <laughs> <laughs> so i think it was eddie murphy in one of his uh comedy shows it's like all right we're gonna play cowboys and indians and all you guys you four guys you asian guys you guys are the indians Right, <laughs> and That's I'm like, what? Up. That's <laughs> fucked up. Oh man, no, but it was a it was a great place uh, mm. for families. And all kidding aside, there was, um, I really just thought, you know, I was like everybody else, okay. you know, kind of like uh, the Jungle Book, yeah, you know, the little boy that grew up in the jungle. He had no idea Mowgli. <laughs> yeah, so it was all good. It did somehow probably fire a lot of uh, competitiveness okay. in me because you know you, you can't hide the fact that you're a little different, yeah. right? Um, the other thing looking back that was really interesting that I think really helped me was um, I, I grew up with both of my parents were small business owners.
0: So they're and, entrepreneurs, um, wow. What were their businesses?
2: Yeah, yeah and I think actually it was uh, probably a lot harder than people think because, you know, the U S is a great place where you can actually go out and get a high paying job yeah. and be an employee, stay there for a long time, retire at a, in Florida. A <laughs> yeah. And everything's good, right? You get a, yep. you get a weekly paycheck or a biweekly yep. and you don't have anything to worry about mm-hmm. benefits and everything. Right. But um, yeah, to answer your question, both of my parents had uh, small businesses and they were, they both had their own businesses um, my dad um, owned a uh, and started a franchise of gas stations.
3: No
0: way! Wow.
2: Yeah, very you know simple business, and he grew that from one gas station to twelve franchises. No
0: way! Wow, that's and huge. And guess
2: who? Guess who was working there on the weekends and at twenty-four hour night shift when employees don't show up for the holidays and the I don't know. Probably a guy named Dennis. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I I was there cashiering and pumping gas and watching my dad, you know, build relationships in the community with his customers one-on-one. Got it. And um, looking back, seeing how positive and energetic he was as a a Filipino immigrant, trying to make it and survive. And, Mm -hmm pumping gas for people in the neighborhood right. and fixing their cars and stuff like that. And my dad, it, it, you know, is one of those guys that, you know, um, he's everybody's guy, right? Yeah. Happy go lucky. Like, you know, many parts of the the, the Filipino strong culture. We're always right. happy no matter what. Correct. And he's always making friends in the neighborhood. So yeah. um, that was, I think, uh, really, really important to uh, see me. Uh, observed growing up and uh, my mom uh, she was on the other side a you know typical filipina fashionista there you go <laughs> and she uh had a women's boutique oh and so it was a very opposite side of the spectrum mm. and on the other weekends when i wasn't doing things i was unloading cargo and warehouses and trucks full of her stuff wow right? That she had uh, bought and imported, um, but yeah, that that's uh, kind of what I saw. That mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, that probably had a lot to do with the inspiration of me one day mm-hmm. starting my own. Because I I really never, after thinking about it, mm-hmm. I never saw my parents ever work for anybody. Wow! And they never talked about it. Mm-hmm. They just did it like it was. Right. What you're supposed
0: to do right it's subliminal it's embedded in your brain that you know you know this is the normal thing that entrepreneurs do this hustle right and that's true because again i keep saying this over and over again it's like groundhog day already <laughs> that a lot of entrepreneurs had a very big influence to how they did because they saw one big influence in their family or someone that they really look up to did it before that it's 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 something possible that you know um it eliminates or uh the the concept of it being alien that ah it's okay to actually work for yourself because society teaches you to work for somebody right when you go to school it's like ah go, go get high grades because you need to get a high paying job so you can retire in florida and get eaten by fucking alligators <laughs> <laughs> just kidding <laughs> no but that's what i'm saying right so it's cool now um you studied obviously in, in texas as well and you're an aggie because you went to Texas A&M, um, what did you Big take up buddy. there, and what were, what are what are your um, what did you take up, and uh, what are the skills you you learned uh, through that uh, through that uh, process?
2: Yeah, so um, Texas A&M University was uh, an amazing part of uh, uh, of my life. Because, uh, and it's mm-hmm. funny, all of those um, movies that you see about college life in the yep, u.s yeah they're all true <laughs> <laughs> frat parties house
0: parties <laughs> the cops rolling over
2: <laughs> no. yeah it, and so it was absolutely one of the funnest days of my life yep. and i had no idea honestly i didn't really have a whole lot of direction yeah. I, I guess i got a little bit of that happy-go-lucky uh, yep. side of me from mm. from my dad right mm. and um At first, I was going to go to university in my hometown, and um, then I just happened to uh, go down to Texas A&M in the the little college town um, where basically 70% of the population was college students during the school year. Mm -hmm. And I went down there with some of my high school buddies because one of their big brothers uh, was already in college there, Mm -hmm. and we went to this um, party weekend called the Fire. (laughs) <laughs> it is the world's largest bonfire and a no big man. party surrounded. Wow. And so it was also, this, of course. This is pre Burning Man. Yes. Yes. Okay. Very much. And it's it's actually a 60 story. No, 60 fucking story. Way. Wow. Um, Shit. Bonfire. That's, that's a bushfire and a wildfire already. If that thing got
0: got, got haywire, that would have gone to the bushes and the woods. Y'all fucked. Right?
2: Yeah. And, well, it, you know, one of the things that the school was originally known for when it was early starting was uh, an engineering and agricultural yep, school. Yep. It's an A&M school. So it was a bunch of engineers building stupid stuff that they shouldn't be building like bonfires, <laughs> right? But <laughs> it was also fun because it was centered around Texas's football country, the big college rivalry football game, yep, yep. Texas A&M University of Texas. So long story short, I went down there and it was, I was like, oh my God, my eyes were just like yeah, amazed what is this? and I said, hey, I'm not going to stay and go to school at my hometown. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to come down here and, you know, explore and expand. So I just, <laughs> that honestly is the reason why I went to Texas A&M because it was uh, a little outside of my hometown, yep. about four or five hours away. And some of my good mm-hmm. college buddies went there and I really witnessed an amazing tradition and a strong community of college students getting together to battle against the comp- competitor. There you go. And I thought that was really cool. And that really kind of uh, you know, um, inspired me. So Absolutely. Um, you know, from that standpoint, because I'm in technology today, and actually looking back, um, I was really lucky that I fell into technology after, after college. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't study uh, management information systems, I didn't, um, you know, study IT. Mm-hmm. I did have a few of those, you know, elective classes that were, or required classes that you had to take, and mm-hmm. I did find it intriguing. In mm-hmm. fact, um, you know, I did tinker around and build things on my own, mm-hmm. um, just because I, for some reason, had this mindset of someone always trying to push the envelope or find better ways to do things. So since uh, my parents and others were, uh, you know, small business owners, everybody was always looking for help to, Mm -hmm. you know, figure out a way to, you know, um, manage sales or customers or accounting better using the new technology. So I started building stuff on my own, but I wasn't an IT guy. Mm -hmm. I didn't, you know, have a programming background and was just lucky that the first company that hired me after college was a HR payroll software company. Got it. Got it. And okay. uh it was a big company. Mm-hmm. And uh it was a it was so big though, it had some of the cultural aspects that I always felt a little uncomfortable with. And don't get mm-hmm. me wrong, I was very grateful and I yeah, stayed for there all, for, all. Yeah. for I stayed there for four years um, as my first job in, out of college. Mm-hmm. And, but I always felt a little struggle because it was a type of company where you could uh, come in and just do what you're supposed to do. Don't try to do anything different. Don't mm. rock the boat. It was a big company.
0: It's weird because I just uh, I had a similar – I just watched this, uh, a bio, uh, yeah, this, this documentary of how Wells Fargo runs it like that. That there's a lot of tradition, you know. They want to sound folksy, and if you try to <laughs> deviate from the, the norms, you're either gonna get fired or you're gonna get run out of town. So that's the thing with cor- with these big corporates in America, right? Um, exactly. There's no room to to really deviate and innovate and you know create entrepreneurship within.
2: Is that? Do you think there's some some nuances here also in the Philippines of that? There are
0: like depends on the again at the end of the day it's a case to case vulture and case to case basis and, and it, it all boils down to company culture whatever the top management has created and also because uh, it's impossible to create culture without the blessing of the people on top I to- totally believe that because now I've experienced both you know total bureaucracy and total you know startupy so total polar opposites and one thing. Uh, that really sticks out is regardless, again, just take it with a grain of salt. This is just coming from my experience is that it starts from the top, you know? Because uh, if 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 you allow sh- bullshit to happen, then that's on you, right? Because so, um, I've seen also companies like, you know, great companies in the US where like you know, amazing to work with, Google and whatnot, where they literally break shit up and create amazing stuff. But again, they're in tech but and then you have all these other companies who are pretty rigid in their culture and you really there's really not not much room to grow, right? It's borderline border uh boil, boiler room environments, right?
2: Yeah, and uh so I was always of the mindset of why don't we do it like this instead of like that? Mm. Or why does the software work like this? It's you know, customers don't like that. Or right. I was always uh Right, wrong, or different. In many cases, I was always in trouble because I always, always <laughs> ask too many questions, right? Why? Why did you yeah. do that? What's, yeah. <laughs> what's yeah. that for? And that's already a that? good
0: sign that you're going to be an entrepreneur because I, I, I empathize. In my, my longest job tenure was 11 months because I kept always asking, like, why the fuck <laughs> is this like this? Why is it like this? Blah, 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 whatever. Right? And people always saw me as a rebel. Mm-hmm. I just didn't want to accept the norms if I knew there was room to improve. Right. And that's well, already a big sign.
2: That probably means, uh, like you, uh, for those four years, um, and I, you know, again, not taking anything away from me. I was the problem, right? I was like you in and working and on the wrong team. Correct you weren't a fit right for them that team is great for other people that correct. need the consistent guidelines and direction and yeah. routine yeah and you and I i think <laughs> we were like yep. you know we're stick it <laughs> out cage animal yep. you know
0: <laughs> no correct so again just just to uh, temper also what we're trying to say here what we're saying what we're say, trying to say here is don't be a rebel per se but if you know, see that you're not a fit you have to ask yourself, can I actually make something that I can build? Because that's already a sign of entrepreneurship. You're built to be a founder when you're you find yourself as a as a as a odd odd man out in a, uh, in a in an institution that's already yeah. great as it is, so you need to find your tribe
2: and create something out of it. So that's already a sign. That's true. And uh, one thing that I often say to myself is, uh, and, and, I, and I'll share this because I would like to encourage others, which is to figure it out because yeah. I wish I would have figured that out mm-hmm. earlier. right? Because your time is so valuable mm-hmm. and you might as well be doing it with things that you love and, mm-hmm. you know, versus things like the money, the prestige, the job title, moving yeah. up you know, again, that m- might be for you. Just figure that out. And if that's you, go for that. Yeah.
0: So, okay. Before we take our first break, when you said figure it out, how long did you stay in the workforce before you actually took the jump? Because a lot of people that actually listen to Hustle Share are, again, uh, current employees who are now uh, considering jumping into being a founder or being an entrepreneur, right? Uh, I mean, you don't have to jump all in right away, but at least try something, but... Um, when did you start entertaining those thoughts? Uh, you know, maybe I should have figured it out. Or I should have fucking did this early.
2: Yeah. Um, it was actually when I went to San Francisco. Uh, because um, a former colleague of mine from that HR payroll software company, okay. who again, one of the values, one of the great things I took away from those four years, um, I do want to emphasize is even though, um, here's the, the, the positive and bright side, even though I, I didn't realize um, I was probably part of the problem and wasn't the right fit, I stuck it out. And I think that's a good thing in a way too, yeah. because I'm, I'm so competitive even with myself that I'm always afraid to quit things. I hate mm-hmm. to quit, I, I don't, I mean, I feel like I've, there's nothing in my life that I ever quit. And that, that can be your Achilles heel, Yeah. right? At the same time so the the good news to that is i made a really good strong network um, in those four years because while i was there you know i in that environment even though it wasn't um a perfect fit i was able to really perform and uh won several awards so i built my own brand and reputation at that company okay um and as someone is dependable and um who would no matter what, deliver? And later on in life, as I started to really begin my entrepreneurial journey, those relationships yeah. came back to help and benefit me. Nice. Right? nice. So um, when I uh, yeah, so after that company, um, one of my uh, former uh, workmates there. Um, rose through the ranks at another company that did have a more entrepreneurial culture. He called me and said, hey man, I think I have something for you. It's literally just like that. Oh, wow. Right. And, um, but, well, of course he explained this is what we do, this is what we're all about, this is what's going to make it really cool. Um, And he was like, but, you're going to have to move to San Francisco.
3: Okay. Right?
2: And, uh, I really didn't think twice about it because nope. I also having that mindset of always questioning things, right. um, in those early days of my career, Texas wasn't a technology hotbed as it is right. now.
0: Of course, it's not Silicon right? Valley.
2: Yeah, it was more of a telecom alley. Mm. <laughs> <Or> a telecom, <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yep. and stuff like that. So um I took that and um, you know moved to the Bay area. And, mm. uh, that's when my eyes really opened.
0: Cause all the Filipinos are there come immigration. <laughs> they all look like us. I'm like, Holy oh, <laughs> shit. Is this is <laughs> <Miguel Actually, still?"
2: laughs> You say that and you're so right, man. The, one of the first things that popped up, I was like, wait, why did he, you know, think I would be a good fit for San Francisco? I was like, when I went there, I was like, oh my God, I've never seen more Filipinos in my entire life. This is great. I'm with my team. This is my team. Exactly. Right. Holy shit. Right? And you you
0: yeah. can tell just by the way they talk. Like, oh where is your uh passport? <laughs> oh, okay. Filipino okay. Kaba? Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> like, oh,
2: I'm home, it's just colder. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. This yeah. Funny. And um so That's when, uh, at that stage in my career, because, you know, one of the interesting things about growing up in the U.S. is it's just like what people say, right? Uh, Once you graduate or get out of school, you're on your own. Yep. Right? Mommy and daddy are nowhere else. They're not going to help you. Mm -hmm. You're on your own, right? This is America. Get up, fix your bed, wash your clothes, feed yourself. Find a job. Right? Yep. yep. <laughs> um, but what I then started to formulate was this whole um, stage of my career, which was being, and I've seen this term now uh, being used, is being a corporate entrepreneur. Corporate entrepreneur. So what, what does that mean? That means working for a company that, like you described, really values the entrepreneurial spirit. So it allows you to innovate and create, but with a big safety net—the yeah. safety of working with a bigger company, salary, right? and all. Yeah, yeah, and um, uh, stability, etc. But they really allow and appreciate opinions from everybody, yeah. you know. And then I said, "Oh my God, there's actually companies that are out there like this." Right. Because again, I mean, what do you really know when you get out of college? It's your first job. Totally naive, you know, (laughs) wide eyed. Right. Exactly. So um, and then, of course, being in the Bay Area, those types of companies are all over up and down the street. Right. That's the center of technology. So um, that's when I started to really form a real, you know, because I do like to plan and uh, fairly organized person. So um that's when I figured I could start moving to that real journey of starting a serious company. Got it. Um that's uh you know a- as a founder, right? Got it.
0: All right. Um now, Okay, now before we take our uh Tell us about how you became a founder. Let's take our first break and when we come back, let's now talk about how you jump ship because I'm pretty sure everything that you expected wasn't, wasn't, uh, wasn't the reality. Let's talk about that more <laughs> after the break.
1: Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments.
0: Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. Calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate their growth. Submit your pitch to Impact24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about... That's sasschallenge.ph And good luck and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. And we're back from the break. We're still with Dennis Velasco of Prosperna. Oh, there. I got it Nah, huh? Because we are uh, in San Francisco. There you go. <laughs> no, man. Awesome, the people dude. don't understand. It's just like literally just right outside San Francisco. It's Little Manila in Daily City. God damn. This is like a... This Manila
2: yeah. 2.0, man. I swear it's funny when I was there. There was actually a Jollibee in, in downtown San Francisco, too. Yeah. I think it's still there, wasn't it? No, I'm pretty I'm sure not it's there. Sure. Yeah. Um, I haven't driven by that particular area in a while, but
0: yeah, just don't go to Tenderloin. Uh, just, just <laughs> don't make the wrong turn, man. Just, you know, just stay up tight. You never
2: know what you're gonna get.
0: Uh, yeah. Oh, man. Okay, um. Okay, Dennis. Before you uh, before the break, you told us about you know how you then built yourself up, and you then know, got introduced to the concept of corporate entrepreneurship. But for you, when did you now start literally considering that? Hey, I should try this on my own. And how did you do that? And was it uh, an easy route, or did you have a lot of knockdowns along the way?
2: Yeah. Well, actually, you know, without getting into all the like little side businesses, I did, I did start a couple things on the side, really okay. honestly, out of necessity, okay. um, way back before, and, and some of them weren't actually related to technology. They were really related to need. Um, it actually might be worth sharing one of those. Sure, sure. I want to t- tie this all back.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So um, there was a software company that I worked for, and um, they' were really high-flying. It was a supply chain management software company. Okay. And uh, at one point, the stock shot up to about oh. 250 bucks a share. Wow. And that was one of the things in the U.S. is everybody wanted to work for a, a high-flying startup because you had equity opportunity, yep. right? Because no salary, yeah, will ever really get you to your financial goals, whatever they are, right. right? And um, anyway, uh, sadly, um, for whatever reason, economy went bad just like you know was this an was to today i uh yeah around that time and uh i got laid off oh shit Fuck. and um you could see it like the plague coming right oh one day you're in the office and the next guy next to you is gone right oh man <laughs> the, the next couple weeks your three other buddies are gone right oh, shit and then after seven rounds of layoffs you know, here comes the Grim Reaper, right? Oh, man. And it's my turn, right? And oh. uh, I had uh, just bought, you know, my first house and uh, I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Right? Wow. And um, since I had uh, you know, bought my first property, and uh, I was always spending a lot of time fixing it up at Home Depot okay I always noticed that every home Depot and this is unlike you know in the us because you know that's right. your retail property you only do what you're supposed to do on it right yeah unlike here on a retail property you have so many <laughs> and it's like a you know yeah. every place is a market right right right, right. and Sean so I was like I wonder why there's a hot dog stand in front of of every home depot because at that stage i was thinking oh my god how do i solve this problem right. of my financial situation sure and i didn't want to sacrifice cuz you start thinking to yourself should i just take any job correct right just to get something
3: yeah
0: and i
2: didn't want to do that because i started as we discussed earlier figuring out what what makes me happy And I wanted to stay and stick with technology with the right company. So I didn't want to make any sacrifices. Mm -hmm. But I knew I had a problem that I had to solve, which was financial cash flow. Sure.
0: And and, and just to relate this to a lot of people who who were probably in the same boat right now, or if you're listening to this and you got laid off because of the pandemic, this is something that you can really take notes on because it's a similar situation, just in a different country, right? And you had some financial
2: problems that you had to solve. So what did you do? So... Um, I went out and I was trying to find, and I was like, I'm going to open a hot dog stand because I observed the hot dog stand even during a, um, a financial crisis. And even like today, people are fixing up their homes, yeah. right? That's your Maslow's hierarchy of needs. That's the number one thing is shelter. Yep. Right. And so, um, uh, you know, I thought, okay, why is it when, when I I just sat out there in front of a Home Depot and I just started observing, I noticed there was always a long line for the hot dog and the jumbo lemonade for 99 cents.
3: Yep. Right.
2: And I said, that's such a simple business. I could probably start it really quick. It's Mm -hmm. not going to take a lot of my time. So I could also look for, you know, a, 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 a job, mm-hmm. right? At a technology company. So I started calling, right? Uh, I looked online. I called all the locations of Home Depots. Dude, almost all of them already had a hot dog stand. So that was also market validation. Right. Of, There's something there. Yeah. So after so many calls, I finally get to one.
0: That didn't have a hot general- dog stand.
2: Yeah. The general manager said, Hey, today's might be your lucky day. The hot dog guy hasn't shown up in two weeks.
3: <laughs>
2: Maybe he got laid off.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it was wow. again, it was,
2: you know, as they say, hard work mm-hmm. and luck, right. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, an oppor- that's where opportunity meets. Yep. Yep. Right. Yep. And so he was like, Get this, Ron. He was like, if you want to take it, you can have it. And I was like, how much? He goes, oh, I won't even charge you any rent. What? Yeah. He goes, as long as you give all of my employees a 50% discount, right, so that they don't have to leave the premises for lunch, then I'm good. They'd be eating
0: the same shit every day, though. But, hey, 50% (laughs) off, that's a good deal. (laughs) Wow. That's amazing. So there, necessity and how did that b- business, uh, uh, keep you afloat during, during the, the, the rough times?
2: Oh man, it was so funny. Um, I was amazed how much money that thing was pulling in. No right. It was like, and it wasn't like, you know, eight, 10, 12 hours a day because I, I found out that the, the real target audience was a lot of the contractors, right. That were coming in there. And you know, I I really actually got into it. You know, I created my secret formula where I was always um, you know grilling onions to lure them in with the smell, wow. right? And we were pulling in four or five hundred bucks a day. No, what? what? Yeah, um, you know, no three, rent, and you three dollars, have- wow, three dollars of uh of hot dogs, three dollar hot dogs. Yeah. And ninety-nine cent jumbo teas uh, and Shit. lemonade. Wow. You know, look, think about it. All, all you gotta do is sell a hundred of them mm-hmm. at four bucks each. And a Home Depot has that much traffic, mm-hmm. right? And you get those grilling and onions, and you know, even though you're not hungry, you're gonna buy one.
0: Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, it, it goes to your primal senses right, right there. You're you're gonna get yeah. rude to that. But last question before we proceed back to 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 your to your journey. A lot of people right now, again, who are in the in rough times, um, are pro- again in a similar situation. How did you get over the hump of you of yourself? Because I'm pretty sure there's there's a side where, like, dude, I'm this before. I don't want to do this for nothing. There's that there's that 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 uh, hump you have to overcome. And, of yeah. course, there's still the financial goal. So you you know, how did you get over that hump? Because a lot of people, like, for example, if you're listening to this and you're a high or your manager already. And now you don't have a job and you don't want to start selling just because you don't want your friends to think, oh shit, he's selling some whatever online,
2: right? Yeah, I mean, dude, I thought, oh my God, what happens if you know my friends and my neighbors see me selling yeah, hot yeah. dogs, right? And it crossed my mind, but you know what? You just got to know and be comfortable with yourself and know what your, your mission is. Mm-hmm. I did know that this was short-term, but I was going to make the best of it while I was also focusing on my mission, so I was able to just do this to get by, while I was looking for the next corporate entrepreneur gig at the best technology company. Mm-hmm. So it was a, a side step, and you know, it's about what we're talking about, part mm-hmm. of the journey. You know, um, so I, you know, it it soon solved itself. And you know, I was able to get into a great software company, mm-hmm. and um, that company is uh, Salesforce.com. A, a lot of uh, yep. the CRM. Yeah, and I was, you know, I was, you know, back on the horse. Right. right? I thought, and, did you but- bring your hot dog sand to Salesforce? <laughs> <laughs> I should have, man, because
0: oh,
3: shit. the the
0: food truck. <laughs> The food truck business started to really, well, yeah, you know, correct. tacos, whatever, burritos. Yeah. Oh man! Yeah. Imagine pulling so, up the sales force in a food truck, you know, and during the and lunch, then, and then get, going
2: to the <laughs> office and making calls, right? And then man, all your your teammates see you downstairs at night, right? Yeah. Uh, but no, it was cool. Actually, um, you know, I'm I'm not really one to do a bunch of different things at one time because. Yeah. I realize it. that and know that, yeah, it's really hard to do something really, really well and be extremely successful at it if you only put 80% of your time into it. So if you have your time you know, spent and allocated across you know, two, three, four things, it's not very easy right, for True. the average person. So actually though that business was quite good. I guess that was one of my first exits. I sold the business to my cousin. Oh shit.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. All right. So with
0: Salesforce, um this is again, this is like major leagues right away, right? This is one of the hottest startups, you know, who's still around until a mammoth now, uh, in terms of what they've been doing. What what do you what did you do in Salesforce and um what was your next stint after that, too? Because you also did Cornerstone on demand. I'm literally at your LinkedIn stalking you right now, by the way. Um, oh, but, I noticed uh, some pop ups
3: here. Oh yeah, oh, my
0: bad. Looking. My bad. I, I, I'm stalking. <laughs> I, needed a, I need a visual. So, Salesforce and Cornerstone, what did you guys do there? And how did you then uh, jump into literally full time being an entrepreneur? Yeah, Salesforce was really
2: cool. Cr- and I valued um, first, actually, how hard it was to get in. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. I actually, the first time I tried to apply there, um, because actually, it's funny, you were right. I was already at a manager level at that time. And then uh, I tried to first um, apply there Mm -hmm. as a manager. And I was uh, not given the job Mm -hmm. because technically, in the U.S., they have to post every job opening, yeah, right, uh, based on HR compliance laws. But their culture in those early days was not to hire managers from outside, right? They wanted to promote in from house. within, and I and I think that is that's an important thing. And you know, I'm trying to find ways to do that in our company um, because I think it's extremely valuable to. Create those opportunities internally. Yeah. And um, but anyway, so uh, yeah, I did not get in the first time, and uh, I continued to try to get in. And then all of a sudden, um, I got a call back from one of their internal recruiters, mm-hmm. and they said, "Hey, we we might have something for you." And nice. um, when I interviewed for the job, you know, in my assessment, it was mm-hmm. basically. One of those jobs in the company that nobody wanted. I'll tell a you, dirty why. job. Yeah, uh, get the Filipino guy in here, right? <laughs> <laughs> Smells like onions and hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> that hot dog guy, get him in here, right? So um, I say that with you know uh, tongue in cheek because um, mm-hmm. in those days the cool thing about working at Salesforce was working on the software. selling the software, right? Being at the front line of the software because it was the first major cloud company, right? And this job was as Salesforce was starting to get more complicated, they were still to the world pitching our software is so easy. You don't need expensive six-figure implementations, no six-month-long engagements Mm -hmm. you can set it up yourself the reality was that wasn't true correct right because longer you go more features that you have more buttons and switches you got to flip and someone Mm -hmm. has to know which ones to push and pull
0: correct
2: right so the job was to take four contract employees they weren't even employees okay that were um, uh, selling all non-licensed software. Oh. So it was the implementation, professional services, education and training, premium support, and that wasn't sexy. Right. You know. Because
0: these are for people that are already
2: having a hard time trying to use it. Exactly. Got it. Okay? And they, you know, it wasn't really a department yet for the company. It was contract employees, right? Makes sense. And at that stage, you know, much like a Google or Facebook, in my mind, I thought, of course, the company from the outside looking in was a great fit. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to just get my foot in the door and it was Salesforce, right? And I was, again, knowing my mission, it was really important for me to stay on that management track so I could understand and learn and um you know get that experience to know what it's like to run and build you know businesses so i i took the job Mm -hmm. right and um yeah it it was a it was a great decision and those hard decisions um because it you know it wasn't as much as i was making but you get you know again uh the chance and the opportunity to work for a great company and uh you know, looking back, it was a great journey because I was able to um, take those four contract employees and I converted them to full-time employees nice. and we built that that division to about 24 people uh, across wow. uh, San Francisco, Vancouver, Dublin, Ireland, and Sydney. And, wow. you know, it was a, I think a $21 million business uh, division for wow. the company and just one year
0: and 24 people only what
2: that's crazy yeah. that's yeah. crazy so and you know what's really cool about that the other thing uh why I took that job mm-hmm. was I was actually reporting directly to the president of wow. Salesforce right um wow. and so I got that opportunity to learn from him even though uh later on it kind it came out where you know it was like okay Dennis just you know give me your presentation your updates and um That was basically it. He was like, just make sure you keep doing what you're doing and don't screw anything up. And that was great. It was was, again, another great corporate entrepreneurship because I was able to build that team of business exactly the way I wanted underneath a nice, stable financial foundation and company.
0: Okay. Now, you had another solid stint here. Uh, with uh, Cornerstone and then Zero. Uh, talk briefly about that. And then let's talk about how you then jumped to become an
2: entrepreneur. Yeah. So, Salesforce, it was the place to be. Right. And it was honestly one of the best points and highlights of my career. Okay. And um, again, going back to the network that I had built, mm-hmm. right? Um, when you're uh, a person that, you know, uh, takes their professional relationship seriously. And I got another call, right, hey. from uh, a, 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 an old colleague. And okay. he said, hey, I know you're at Salesforce and it's the cool place to be, but you might want to check this place out. I just okay. joined there and we're looking for, you know, guys and gals like you. Okay. Right. And I said, okay, cool. Well, what is it, friend? And he told me the name of the company. And I was like, I've never heard of it. <laughs> and number one. And number two, it sounds like a church. Right. <laughs> and I was like, bro, I'm at Salesforce, man. You know?
3: What the hell but is Carn
2: Sort on Demand? Yeah. Right? I was like, you're my friend, so I'll come and check it out. Mm-hmm. And I met with the CEO and um it was a startup. Mm. So they wasn't were a church. About, uh it wasn't a startup church, oh, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but churches can be kind of like startups, right? <laughs> yes. They sell you an ideology that you need to believe in order to achieve yeah. goals. That'll be another podcast. But yep. uh so I I go to uh the interview and they were about 40 employees. And um, my career at that time was uh, really focused on building uh, marketing and sales organizations for companies. Right. And they wanted to hire. Yeah. And they wanted to hire uh, their first sales leader for um, entering in to the mid market segment of the industry. And they are about 40 employees. And, um, they said, um, you know, this is a great opportunity because they said, I can't exactly commit to you, but I can tell you we have a good chance of going public. Wink, wink. Wow. Right? Um, because, I mean, I'm not tooting my own word, but, uh, you know, I had, it, it was going pretty good over at Salesforce. So and right. And but it really again sparked that or entrepreneurial, yeah. you know, gene in me, mm-hmm. and I knew, especially being in the Bay Area, in order to really make it,
3: yeah. you
2: know, make a big landmark, you got to get into the equity position, correct, right? Which means um, you got to get closer to the ground of of a startup, right, in the early stages. So, the the downside though was. It was a $40,000 pay cut
0: per year. Shit. Wow. That's a ton of money, All right? That's yeah, especially in the Bay Area. Bezos if you're <laughs> computing it.
2: Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, the economics are different, right? Mm-hmm. But I always say the Bay Area is an interesting place because it's one of the only places in the world where you can feel uh, so rich from an amount of money, but also so poor because of the high cost of living.
3: Yep. Right? Fucking San Francisco.
0: Oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> You're going to go broke there. there's so many people are homeless out there. Holy yeah. shit. Right.
2: And so I'm like, wait a minute. You want me to come work for your startup? That sounds like a church. <laughs> right. And, um, take a $40,000 pay cut, take a $40,000 pay cut just to potentially go public. Wink, wink. Wow. And what did you, what, what
0: pushed you over the top? That's, he must have pitch a solid pitch for you to actually take
2: that. Yeah, honestly, I actually said no the first time. Okay. And then two weeks later, there was something in me. I honestly, I, I kind of blanked out for two weeks. Uh, okay. And I think um, it was, again, that shiny object and goal of yep. being part of a startup to make it go all the way to the IPO
3: okay.
2: and um, I, I ended up I, two weeks later, I, I called them back and I said, I'm in.
0: Shit, wow. <laughs> wow.
2: Now, lucky for me, again, there must be a, a greater power above or you've got to really, again, know your mission, know what you're willing to go for, what you're willing to sacrifice. Mm-hmm. I was willing to sacrifice the cool place to work The $40,000 pay cut for that future promise that was part of my mission. And if I was going to be an entrepreneur on my own, I needed to live that whether we won or lost.
0: That's true. And a lot of founders, actually, a lot of people don't have to be founders on your own. You can be a founding team mm-hmm. member and have the same experience, right? Because at the end of the day, you're also taking a big risk working for an up-and-coming startup. But if you believe that it's going to be a, a successful startup, wink, wink, then it's the same fucking banana, right? You're going to get the, the, the experience of your lifetime that down the road you might even use to become your own founder, Wink, wink. Yeah.
2: There you go. No, I'm so glad you mentioned that because I would really like to see more, uh, you know, peers and colleagues in our country um, really go through that thought process because we need a lot more successful entrepreneurs. We need really smart, bright, um, capable, and willing people willing to take a risk. Cause it is a little bit risk, but you know, it can be done again. I, this company sounded like a church and it was selling, it was HR software, not the most sexiest thing, right. you know? And, um, fast forward, uh, three years later, that wink, wink came true. And ka-ching, ka-ching. We went, <laughs> it went from wink, <laughs> wink to ka ching.
0: Wow. Wow, and you had stock options,
2: so you must have made a really good dope. Well, it wasn't um, complete retirement money, but I knew um, uh, it was, you know, I, I did get shares of stock in the sense, mm-hmm. right? And then uh, when I left, it was at 90 bucks a no share. No
0: fucking way, are
2: you yeah. kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And, um, since I knew um, and I'm going to backtrack a little bit Since I mm-hmm. knew that one day I was hoping to come Find a way to come to the Philippines And bring my experience And mm. Silicon Valley Level technology to help right. our country I said The only way I'm going to do that As all my titos and titas would yep. say "Oh, <laughs> Is my Tagalog okay? Yep, yep Pretty okay. good, pretty good. Right. And, you know, again, you're, you're in America, you're in the rat race, right? You make yep. money, you pay your bills, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I knew that I needed to get an IPO to get over that hump, right, mm-hmm. to fund my Glad venture and not. startup moving to the Philippines. Mm-hmm. So bingo, that was the ticket, that IPO. And I stayed on for two years after that. And it was an amazing experience. Right. Um, You know, helping them build uh, two divisions. And then we acquired a company, and it really helped prepare me. And I'm really grateful. That was one of the most uh, awesome experiences of my life and great uh, connections and uh, teammates and relationships that you build. Those are the things that later on in life come back to help you when you face adversity and when you needed to, uh, you know, people to help you, okay. right? So that was one of the next moves that made it closer to my reality to start, to, well, number one, to move to the Philippines, start over, and start a company. Yeah. That's one of the things that helped, for sure.
0: All right. Okay. Now, let's take our last break, and when we come back, let's now talk about how you then created Prosperna, Extendly, and a lot more, and talk about your jump. And I love how how this is going. But let's talk about that more after the break. Earn in flexible tenors with hashtag UNOBoost. And we're back from the break. We're still with Dennis Velasco Osprosperna Prosperna, who has now taught us how he made it and how he was able to achieve the American dream. But here's one big question that I have. Why did you want to go back? If you could have just lived the life and you already had enough uh, retirement money, why go back to the Philippines and start all over again in a country that's less prepared for tech tech uh, ecosystem? Because I've had several uh, Philams also come in, like Roland Ross of, of, of Kumu. So if you're listening, just find his episode all the way down, well, like last year. He had the same thing. He wanted to pay forward back to the Philippines. Um, let, let, why, why did you want to go back here and, uh, and start all over and what did you build?
2: You want to know why? You want to yeah. really know why? Mm-hmm. Because I'm crazy. oh yeah no I'm just kidding Uh, actually we're all a little bit crazy to be doing this in what we're doing but um, really I'll be honest with you You know this when I take a second to look back Mm -hmm. it actually seemed like this was always part of me Um, because the first time I came the Philippines, I was 12 years old okay. and I absolutely fell in love with our country. Got it. And um, unlike uh, my other siblings, which again, um, they're great and we all love each other, but um, you know, you have friends and family. You know, Filipinos are very global these days that yeah. they kind of leave and don't have any intention of coming back. Yeah. Right. And I mean, that's just saying it how it is.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And for some reason, when I came here, That feeling of the culture, you know, seeing all my cousins Mm -hmm. and um, valuing those kinds of things, Mm -hmm. it really stuck with me ever since I was 12. And then, if I combine seeing my parents as entrepreneurs and small business owners, one of the things I got to do was um, during the summers was travel with my mom as she was going on site visits to different factories right for her boutique and we always stopped in the philippines and she had some manufacturing done here as well Mm -hmm. and so i was always in that mindset of and my mom would always tell me see there's so much opportunity in the world Mm -hmm. and i honestly always thought that you know the world is bigger than san francisco it, yep. you know San Francisco is a bubble it's not really how the world operates okay. and so when i add all those things up i started to shape my own personal vision and mission in life which was to hopefully one day bring that kind of opportunity here to our country because i did notice that we were always 7 to 10 years behind yep so intellectually speaking i was like okay I'm like in the future, if I can come back and help shape, right, business behavior to create value and benefits, that's opportunity. And along the way, um, I always felt like, you know, maybe being the kind of underdog, you know, the Mm -hmm. four Asians, right, in a a, uh, high Mm -hmm. school class of 600, I always felt a little bit about the underdog and i saw how technology could equal the playing field yeah and i said if a country with so many resources so many energetic positive and talented people could have the power of technology it could change our country absolutely and so it was i started on this path during those ups and downs and then i just happened to meet my wife who grew up here in the Philippines. And of course, there's always a beautiful Filipina in the story, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. Why are you laughing? You... Uh, I know, I know. <laughs> I know. That's why I'm never leaving too. <laughs> That's right.
2: So right. I met my wife and she was also, um, uh, of course, she was great because she, you know, went along for the ride no matter where I was. Mm. And, but she was never the type to never want to come back to the Philippines, right? She, she loved her country and said, you know, we, we would be very lucky and blessed if we could have the best of both worlds, right? And, you know, raise our kids so that they could see the world um, and how it really operates, right? With the West and the East. And so it was actually part of our goal. We had always planned and tried to save money okay. so that we could get out of the corporate rat race and then one day, moved to the Philippines, and uh, whatever our interests were, were to start a company. And for me, I never let go, and it was always a technology company. Wow,
0: mm-hmm. it's ingrained in
2: you now; it's yeah. part of your life bloodstream. So I'll share this one thing of how that actual jump made was okay. made. Right. So I got this the, the last gig I had. Mm-hmm. Right. I got this awesome opportunity. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, to be the vice president of sales. Mm-hmm. for all of North America for zero small business. Yep. Great company. Right. Uh I like what they were doing. They were trying to equal the playing field. Their big competitor was uh the ten pound gorilla, QuickBooks. At mm-hmm. those days it was primarily QuickBooks desktop and zero was trying to disrupt it with the cloud. Right. And I had a lot of experience in doing that. Mm-hmm. And primarily for SMEs. And um, you know, they were an Australian, New Zealand-based company, yeah. and they wanted to really go balls to the wall wow. and grow the U.S. region. Mm-hmm. And they said, hey, we we want a guy to... Uh, um, and th- this was, again, this was actually their first VP of sales that they had hired wow. for the U.S. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, it, you know, the pitch was... We want someone to really do whatever it takes to make the U.S. successful the way the U.S. market demands and needs and wants, right? Long story short, uh, at the end of the day, the um, powers that be, even though um, it was a a great part of the journey, um, they weren't really ready to do whatever it takes to succeed Mm. in the U.S. So. We had some conflicts. I parted ways, turned in my corporate laptop, and said, I'm out of here. Wow. And then I said, okay, that was my last corporate gig. It's time to really put moving to the Philippines and starting Mm -hmm. a tech company into action.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: So, um, yeah, my wife and I, we said, if we would wait too late, then our kids would be maybe too old, and they might not. Want yeah. to come to the Philippines? So, <laughs> yep. so, yeah. So we 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 jumped, and that was five years ago. Mm. And um, I'm telling you, man, it was the best thing I ever did. Mm. And um, of course, everything that I did up until that point really helped me. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, you know, to get to where we are today. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, I wouldn't change anything. And um, you know, in five years. I feel like I haven't worked a day in my life, even though it's been around yeah. the clock.
0: Right. But you know? here, here's the question that I wanted to have. So prior to coming in, did you already have an uh, idea in mind what you wanted to build here? Or did you have that that also changed and, and also evolved through time?
2: Good question. Yeah. No, I had no idea. Okay. Wow. And um, honestly, that was, a, that was a bit of a challenge too, because, uh, you know, it it would have been actually a little foolish of me to come in thinking this is what the country needs yeah. because you know I didn't grow up here I didn't spend enough time knowing the yeah. market right um, but I just it was it was actually a big leap of faith of, you know that the country is ready to embrace technology
3: yeah
2: and I, I can I didn't know what it was in fact I came out here. And, um, started just talking and in a recruiting fashion to, mm. uh, developers trying to see what kind of talent there was. Mm. And I was coming here about two to three times a year, um, before we moved out here formally. Okay. Um, because I knew regardless of what it was, you know, you need a kick-ass tech team. Exactly. Right. And, um, I don't, I don't have a developer background. Yeah. Right. So. Um, along that way, it's just really hard when it's your own personal money to yes. know, know somebody or a team. I mean, you're just here for two weeks or three weeks at a time. So how do you really you know know someone that you're going to go to battle with? Mm-hmm. So I, I struggle with that because I was in the US. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what happened was, interestingly enough, again, kind of, this might be a recurring theme, but going back mm-hmm. to uh, my network that I had built,
3: mm-hmm.
2: when I changed my status on LinkedIn, I changed it to stealth mode. Oh. Right? That was my, my title, stealth mode. Right, okay. so some of my, you know, you got nosy friends and colleagues. They're right. like, "Hey, the Velasco, fuck what the,
3: yeah. <laughs> the
2: fuck
0: is self mode? Are you working for the fucking Pentagon?"
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Hey. So they call me like, "What are you doing? Right, stop mm-hmm. fooling around." Uh, you know, <laughs> and um, I'm like, "No, man, I'm you know, uh, you know, I'm moving to the Philippines and I'm gonna mm-hmm. start my own tech company." They're like, "You're mm-hmm. crazy, right?" Yeah. Um, look, man, it's like, if you really, you know, you need a job or you want to come in as a consultant, or mm-hmm. we really could use your, your, you know, your help. Yeah. Right. And I was like, no, 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 I'm really going to, you know, I'm doing this, man. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then after a couple conversations, they're like, oh shit, no, Velasco, you're really moving to the Philippines, aren't you? I'm like, yeah. They're like, okay, well, um, can you still help us? Right. Um, <laughs> we, we've been trying to figure out how to outsource. And at that time, still, I was like, no, 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 I'm I'm building software product, right? I'm not building an outsourced business, Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm I'm going. And I still didn't have an idea Mm -hmm. of what it was that we were going to build. I just knew we were going to build software product. Right? right. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then um, I woke up one day and I was like, wait a minute, I'm having a hard time, right? Finding the real team, right? That I need. And um, I need to, to make this successful, I need to get in market. I need to move to the Philippines Mm -hmm. now. I can't do it remote. You got to be, you know, hands-on in the weeds, in the Mm -hmm. trenches. And then I said, maybe I am passing up a good opportunity. I called those people back in my network. And I said, hey, you still interested? Mm -hmm. And they said, yeah. I said, great. Okay, don't hire me. Hire my company. They're like, what? Yeah, okay, yeah. And that was Extendly. As in, uh, Extendly stands for we're an extension of your business. That's right? amazing. Okay. And so I figured, okay, there's a need and demand. Mm-hmm. I have a solution and a service that we can fill. Mm-hmm. And I have customers from day one. Nice. Right? And that would fuel me, Right? to move to the Philippines. That's amazing. Right? I can't just, you know, tell my wife and uh, kids, babes, I'm moving to the Philippines, don't have a company yet, don't have a product yet. trust <laughs> me. <laughs> women, don't take that for a very good answer. Like, oh, what are you
0: doing, John? <laughs> <Huh>? jo- Sam? <laughs> are you crazy, jo- Sam? <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so right. Uh, now I got an excuse. Okay. Okay, I got company, we got them. a client. You conned them out right? to, to ju- jump in. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I guess you're right, man. In a yeah. way, you know. Um, and But I knew that that would also get me in the cycles mm-hmm. that you need to do to build a business, which is build a team, right?
0: Okay. Is that also how you found the idea for prosperity now? Through Through servicing these clients and now getting your feet wet seeing the, the having being in the trenches with the team talk about how you then came up with Prosperna and what was the product then that you've now built that did you see that you can scale all throughout
2: yeah actually um so that's exactly what happened so we got experience under our belt i was able to find and great get the great tech team that we needed and I was in market to understand the landscape of the ecosystem's needs Got it. right and I started to observe what some of the market forces were in different industries so one of the things that I always try to encourage um, other startups to do is you can't just build product and it sounds like a duh moment. Yeah. But I do see a lot of people just building product yeah. and don't have an understanding of what the market conditions and driving forces are. Because I believe there are driving forces that need to be there um, that compels people to take action. So one of the things I noticed was uh, the growth of the real estate industry. It was one of the top six contributors to the economic growth of our country. Yep. And I really would and I saw I saw, of course, many market tones, right? But that was one that I could relate to. Okay. Right? Because I'm I'm not a broker, uh, you know, uh, but I do and did enjoy making personal investments because you know, just like any Filipino mom, mm-hmm. right? I'm not my job can Oh my swelled Oh but invest God. You're gonna buy it,
3: right?
0: Yes. And they're gonna they're not gonna stop until you did it.
2: Exactly. I'm like, mom, I'm still poor, right? Yeah. Hey, you stop drinking beer and hanging out with your friends.
0: <laughs> <laughs> True, right?
3: Oh man, that's a that's
0: a that's a that's a mold of a typical Filipino man. You yeah, know? I was like, I, I can't afford it. Ah, you
3: know, Stop I'm, out a now, a you know, <laughs> I'm a grown ass man. Now,
0: I'm a grown ass <laughs> man. You can't tell that to your mom. Every single time, they still think you're a kid. You're a baby. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Um, yeah. All right, but so we're I, running out of a little bit of a, uh, time. I, I just want to ask several questions uh, on how you now then built Prosperity. So real estate, uh, you saw that opportunity. What did you build and how did you scale that up?
2: Yeah, so um, we started building mock-ups for what I thought the industry needed was because it was growing so much and there was a lot of transactions. The first idea that we had was to build a, a predictive analytics Platform, mm, wow. so that real estate companies can monitor and track the likelihood mm, of a person to buy or sell real estate. Okay, but when I pitched it, they're like, "Dennis, this is great. It's fantastic." But you know, half the room didn't understand it. The other half was, um, "We don't need that right now. We have other problems. Can you do this?" Mm-hmm. And all of those problems centered around the basics of blocking and tackling handling customer management, customer information, taking customer basic initial transactions. And all of that really is defined as what? CRM. Correct. And luckily for me, you I had a lot of experience it. in that.
0: <laughs> Salesforce, man. This really- wow.
2: So basically it told me that our country was still, again, seven, 10 years behind mm-hmm. that needed Technology solutions that solved simple blocking and tackling problems. Got it. Okay. So our first focus was to help empower real estate companies and professionals mm. with better ways to, sm- to sell smarter and faster, which is CRM. Mm-hmm. But we knew that we could take that solution and cut it across other industries, yep. if it, it, you know, so that we could you know fuel expansion. And then last year, uh, luckily, we decided to keep building the solution out and our other industry verticals we were going to target was the general community of SMEs because who doesn't want to improve you know, their revenue, marketing, and sales, right? And we knew that the other market condition and trend was uh, e-commerce and those were then now going to be our three vertical solutions, right? Improving how um, real estate companies, uh, how they sell Mm -hmm. and market and um, making easy and affordable e-commerce software that can help SMEs. All right, perfect.
0: Now, um, from that point on, uh, you said you bootstrapped this obviously with with your your caching from from wing ka to caching caching, right? Uh, did you take on any <laughs> other investors and then you know uh, to to help you out and um what what was that process like?
2: Yeah, so when I moved here to the Philippines, uh, I was so happy because uh, in the beginning for the first couple of years, I had no idea there was a startup community yeah right. I had We were here for a couple of years and I didn't know anybody. We didn't know right. any of this ecosystem was around. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't even know, I, I didn't think that there was a high likelihood or chance of seeking investors and VCs, mm-hmm. honestly.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, so like, well, we're going to do this, you know, the only way we can, which is with selling and getting generating revenue and having paying customers. Mm-hmm. and money out of our pocket, mm-hmm. right? just like you would in a traditional Business. SME. Mm-hmm. Right? And um, so we were then found by uh, the Spring.ph group. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, they were Ringo, the first though. one. Yeah, they were the first one that reached out to us. And honestly, I think, again, they're probably not the most active, but somehow they, mm-hmm. they, they found us and they're like, Hey, you're stealth up. mode. Yeah, that's stealth. Mode. there you go. <laughs> hey, are you a startup? And I'm like, yeah. Uh it was like, you want to pitch? Uh sure. What when? Uh, are you available tomorrow? <laughs> <What>? <laughs> and I'm like, Okay. He's and, um, <laughs> and yeah, yeah, we had we luckily we already had a product.
3: Okay. Right? That we Very were
2: cool. in production and selling.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So um that's kind of where it started. But Throughout the journey and up until today, we are still 100% bootstrapped. Wow. One thing if I can recommend wow. is to, you know, as much as possible, right? Cuz you only in my opinion want to take money not because you need it, but mm-hmm. because it adds value to your growth Correct. and your customers.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Right? Um, because uh, for many other reasons which is probably uh, better suited for another podcast, mm-hmm. but Uh, to encourage and inspire others, we've managed to be bootstrapped all these years from five years ago, right? Even though Prosperna was only started two and a half years ago. Mm -hmm. And um, we are, you know, blessed with, uh, you know, uh, double digit month over month growth. And by the end of this month, we'll have about 35 uh, full-time teammates. Wow! That being said, Um, we are actually seeking our first seed round um, in the next few months. But Mm -hmm. to my point earlier, it's because of market opportunity and to continue growing. So if somehow, and I'm happy to provide any of the backdoor secrets on how to really do that, um, to any of those out there, happy to give all the secrets. Mm-hmm. Um, we have nothing to hide and just always happy to help because it's yep. doing what you do, which is execute and be consistent every day mm-hmm. that will really, you know, be better mm-hmm. than chasing money, Absolutely. right? Go out and chase customers and solve problems and the money will follow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Inve- investors and VCs will come to you, you mm-hmm. know? Correct.
0: And again, mad props because five years without ever raising, people fucking die out in, in less than six months because they don't know how to do it. But again, this goes to show that experience and also putting in your money and actually generating revenue to keep fuel and growth is the way to go. And not the only way also. It depends on where you are, to be honest. It's case-to-case basis. But if someone's throwing money your way and it's not predatory, why not take it? You know. But now, you've, you, you uh, this is something that you've built and you're ripe more than ripe to now take any, any, uh, this money,
2: right. I hope so. And, you know, I do have to say out, outside of the money, you know, of course, um, you know, having your team that, that absolutely goes without saying, but, you know, we've got a number of people that are, um, still with me and, uh, you know, uh, very appreciative about them you know being uh, on not just my side but their teammate' side since the very beginning,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, yeah, now it's like um, you know it's the time of our life, so there you go um, anything we can do to help others out there, um, always happy to do so.
0: again, thank you very much Dennis for such an amazing episode, but uh, again, if they do want to reach out. Um, where do they go, and uh, you know, uh, if they want to invest, you know, some I've I've had startups actually get invested on because of Hustle share. It makes me so happy. to pay it for it. But if they want to reach out and get to know more about what you're doing, and if you get to pick your brains, where do they reach out to you, and how do they do that?
2: Yeah, thanks. Um, always accessible. Um, I think the easiest place to find me and uh, the URL that I do remember is uh, LinkedIn.com. Forward slash Dennis dash Velasco.
0: Okay, it's not on stealth mode. I'm looking at it right now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the stealth mode oh. is off, baby. It's, it's now the prosper nation.
0: There you go. Appreciate it. Again, thank you very much, Dennis. So before I let you go, follow us on whatever podcast after listening to, whether it's Spotify Apple Podcasts or whatnot. And again, if we did say some jargon, don't forget that there are show notes on HustleShare.com, so just check that out. And again, if there is. Something that you want to suggest and help grow this uh, show with me is going to be in the Hustle Share community on Facebook. And lastly, message us on our Hustle Share chatbot at m.sme hustle share, powered by chatbotph to get in touch
2: with us.
0: Again, Dennis, thank you very much.
2: All right, bro. Thank you. And always great chatting with you. Hope you and your family and all is well. Appreciate it.
0: And again, I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace.